Welcome to today's Lots of Matzah Pizza Podcast. Today we have a special guest from Cloquet, Minnesota. Courtney Olin, the head girls high school hockey coach for the Lumberjacks. Uh, Courtney and I will talk about her background in playing hockey, um, both at the high school level and college level, uh, being the son of longtime Cloquet Esco Carlton boys coach Dave Essie, as well as her new role as the high school hockey coach for the girls program at Cloquet Esco Carlton. Um, and all the th- great things that go with being that coach and, and being a coach at the girls' high school hockey level at an exciting time of girls' high school hockey. Look forward to a great podcast. I hope you enjoy today's show. Love is a burning thing And it makes a fiery ring Bound by wild desire I fell into a ring of fire Well, welcome to the show, Courtney. It's great to talk to you and I'm very excited to learn a little bit more about you and let our listeners learn who Courtney is. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Well, I got to meet you for the first time at the uh, semifinals of the state high school hockey tournament, and your team had just come off one of your program's biggest wins of all time, beating Warroad in a pretty exciting game. You guys pretty much took it to them. You beat Izzy Marvin and his gang of fools (laughs) up in Warroad, a North versus North game. And I was really impressed with uh, how you handled a press conference, and uh, you had a great group of kids, and I was like, wow, if we ever do something i'd like to interview her further and dig in further and pre-show uh you proved yourself right you're a pretty sharp young woman and this should be a great show oh thank you very much that was a fun game (laughs) yeah i'm sure it was a blast um you had a really nice run last year um you had had a how what was it 18 19 how many game winning streak was it 17. 17. I gave you a little more credit than deserved. Okay. <laughs> um, 17-game winning streak. That's pretty wow. Uh, and then you beat your rival, Proctor Hermantown, in the section final. And I knew about this, and it was great for you to talk about it in, in that press conference. I've heard you talk about it a few other times. But let's go back to Proctor Arena. It's, I want to say, 2,000, 3,000 people are watching a girls' high school hockey game. Uh, compared to when you were playing 10 years prior, um, what was the difference? Yeah, I don't even think we can compare that. <laughs> you know, um, I, I would argue that that um, is the, the best atmosphere I've ever seen for any level of, of girls' high school hockey um, and even maybe potentially girls' college hockey that I've been a part of. Um, you know, I, it's such a cool thing to see such support from our local communities um, to come out and, and especially, you know, there's been such an effort to grow the girls game um, and to see that many people and amount of fans show up. Um, we knew it was going to be a, a good atmosphere and a good game. Um, and I had even, I was fortunate to have some of my coworkers come to come to the game for their first ever hockey game. And I, I had to tell them afterwards, that's, that set the bar pretty high. That's not typical. So <laughs> hopefully we can continue to get that, you know, that amount of people, but at time, um, I know in the end of the arenas, there were two to three people deep. Um, there were people who couldn't even and had to turn around and go home. So um, it was quite the game, quite the atmosphere. And we were just super fortunate to have such awesome communities who came out and supported us that night. 
So eleven years prior, you uh, went. You make you make it to state as a player for Cloquet, and that was the last time the uh, the Lumberjacks were at the state tournament. It was also a game where you beat uh, Hermittown, right? Yeah. So we had this uh, similar scenario. Um, we were they Proctor the Hermittown back then too, or was it Hermittown? Yeah. Pro- Proctor Hermitown okay. Marshall. So they were the Mirage. Okay, all right, so all right. Three, got it. All right. All three co-op. But yeah, we we played at a similar scenario. We um played at Heritage and it, like I said, definitely not the same atmosphere that <laughs> that was um at the Proctor Arena, but But it was a big um, deal kind of, though. It was a big deal even yeah, then, it right? Ab- it absolutely was. Yeah. And I think, you know, as a player, when you know, you're looking at it from a player coach's perspective, um, the amount of people in the stands is irrelevant to how you feel about the game. You know, of course, it's cool to see that support. But, you know, if you love the game, you're just you want to go out and compete and be successful. And, um, yeah, those are some of the best memories I have of my high school playing career. Just, you know, going and playing and competing. So just a perspective, though, just like any sport, as they get closer and closer to the big moment, I'm sure even at the Heritage that night, it was pretty packed for comparison to like a, a regular season Tuesday night game. Yeah. And I think that, you know, we're fortunate in our Cloquesco Carlton communities to have just a huge support um, from our communities for hockey. Um, I think that's, that's pretty typical See that, you know, we have fans throughout the season, but um, there's a big push that people will come out. And, you know, like I said, people who will come to games for the first time um, come out in playoffs and um, our high school athletes are really fortunate to have such awesome teachers and, and community members who, you know, want to wish them well and see success for them. So we had another great high school. It wasn't in, in A, but in AA. We had a great uh, finish. The last couple state tournament at, at the AA level, you know, the bowl is almost getting full now for a class AA uh, girls final. Did you ever think you'd see that day? You know, I, I think that's something we all, you know, dream or wish of. Um, but, yeah, I don't necessarily think I, I would have um, – imagine it to be like this year, even, um, going down to that, you know, being, a, being able to watch the awesome double a game and, and sit in the stands. It was pretty cool atmosphere to, uh, to be a part of that. So, um, I think that's just an awesome thing to have that opportunity that girls can, can play in that awesome atmosphere, something they'll never forget the rest of their life. And I'm leading you there. I mean, uh, leading down the road of, I, I've been telling people all the time, like, they people ask me, Tony, you're really into girls hockey. And I'm like, well, the, one of the reasons I'm so into girls hockey is I grew up in the seventies when I got to see Neil Broughton play high school hockey. Right. And people are like, well, why is that a big deal? Well, because Neil Broughton ended up playing in the Olympics. He played in the Gophers. He played on the North stars. And we got to see a kid from our own home state flourish on a national or international stage. Just wait on me here. We're seeing that here with girls' high school hockey. We're going to start to see, you know, we're starting to dominate. Like our U18s, world, our uh, uh, USA teams are sometimes 12, 11, 11, 12, 13 girls from Minnesota. We're seeing the same thing I saw in the 70s for boys' hockey as in girls' hockey now, too. Yeah, and I I think that's such a cool thing, you know, to look at players that maybe girls have seen or um, looked up to growing up, going on to be successful. And I, you know, I I have surveys I always give to my players beginning of each year uh, or each season and just what are their goals and, um, you you know, talk to them about what what is your aspirations? What is your career? What are, you know, what are things you want to do? And I had a few players who who goals and dreams were to play professional women's hockey. And, you know, you think of like five or 10 years ago, that would have never happened. (laughs) That was not my dream. You know, my dream was to play college hockey. 
Um, right. So I think I think you're right on with just saying, I, you know, as things have continued to change and hopefully continue to grow, um, that's pretty cool to see girls and, you know, having those hopes and dreams and aspirations to play at the higher level. So I interviewed Karen by um, Dietz mm-hmm. uh, a couple weeks ago, and we talked about her, her track through and her, she saw the U.S. Olympic game when she was eight or nine years old and ended up playing in Nagano in 1998 in, in the women's Olympics. And we talked about Minnesota girls hockey. Granted, she's from Wisconsin, lives Hudson, but her husband lives in play, you know, is the gopher men's uh, fitness trainer, men's and women's girl, uh, uh, strength and conditioning. So she's a Minnes- She's got some Minnesota blood in her. And we talked about the growth of the girls game. And she's just, you know, Tony, she said, in, in 10 years, the Olympic team now is, you know, eight, eight, eight people from eight from Minnesota. There was probably two in the late, late 2000s, late in the, in the 1990s, right? It's just growing to the point where our state, when it all, when, when this game grows into a real full professional league for women and the Olympics, we're going to look back at these years that you, you've been coaching the last five years of high school. You played in it and you were involved in it deeply. This is the golden era that we're in right now uh, for hockey in Minnesota and for specifically for girls. Yeah. Yeah. And I, yeah, I think you're right on. I mean, it's something I, we're living in the moment and don't even realize, I think the history that's, that's being made, uh, you know, as we're speaking and um, watching it unfold, but, you know, I just think even the journey of the last 10 years has been pretty cool to see. So it's definitely exciting to look at what 10 years from now and 15 and 20 years from now, hopefully we'll continue to bring for, for the women's game. Yeah. 10 years from now, there's going to be even, it's going to be even greater. I mean, I was, I say this all the time about girls hockey on these podcasts. When the topic comes up, Uh, I was at a Minnesota hockey meeting just in case no one, there's people that haven't listened to all of my podcasts, but there was a meeting last April, Minnesota hockey meeting, and they, they opted to make 12 a and 12 B uh, girls hockey, a four region sport or four region event versus a three region event. Cause they used to have three regions, American national and Olympic. Well, they moved it to four and then there was someone in the room at this board meeting says, well, I'm pretty confident that uh, we can have this four region event for going forward because our U8 numbers have doubled the last six years. So we're going to have plenty of girls to play at that, at that 12A level. Yeah. You know, that, that's a pretty cool thing to hear. Um, you know, I look at our, our specific program and I guess I can really only speak to what I see in our program, but our numbers have continued to grow and, and double over, you know, the last few years. And hopefully that's something we can continue to push. But I, you know, the biggest thing I look at from, I think of myself as a high school coach looking down, you know, yeah. um, top down is if we don't have youth numbers, we don't have a high school team. You know, and whether that impacts us now or, you know, 10 years from now, if we don't start at the bottom and work our way up, we're not going to see success. We're not going to have numbers. So that's cool to hear that we have, you know, um, numbers growing. And I think we're, we're seeing the same thing and hopefully we can continue to see that happen. Well, you're sitting right in the in the catbird seat. You're a former player. Um, you're a, a teacher in the school district and and the coach. Um, you, you really have, you know, the sky is the limit because you're there, you're right on the ground. This, this is on a daily basis. Speak to how, I wouldn't say easy, but it's, it is, you are in a really good position to take cloquet hockey, girls hockey, uh, to a very high level down the road. It's not going to happen overnight. No. And, you know, I think that's something I've, I've been very aware of aware of, you know, that we're not going to make any changes, um, like you said, overnight or even within the next, you know, couple months, I think, 
um, the, you know, first year when I got hired, I, I had goals to try to help improve and grow the youth program and, um, knew that numbers were a serious issue for us. Um, the first year actually in our high school program, um, we had, uh, we had to find players to play high school hockey or we would not have had a JV team. So we had two girls that came out who had never skated before, who we had to go buy equipment for, uh, no, they actually bought equipment, but we had to like write a list on what to, what <laughs> for what they should purchase from played against sports, um, to go out and get equipment. And, uh, those players couldn't skate. Um, and so we knew we had a big issue and that we were going to have to help, you know, try to help grow our feeder program or we would not have a team, um, you know, five years from now. So we have made a huge effort to be involved in the youth and I have, you know, tried as to rally the troops as much as possible. And, um, it's been really cool to see some programs that we've kind of initiated and had some, some excitement at the girls, um, at our high school level, which has made this year so much more fun, you know, not just because of our, the success, the team, um, earned, but also because just the amount of people who have come to support the girls program that we haven't had in the past. Right. You told, you told that story at the, at the press, one of the press conferences about the, the seventh girls. (laughs) Now talk about that. You're in your, you're in your uh, first year or two of coaching and literally it's not a theory anymore. This isn't something, you know, you, you don't learn this in school. Like, uh, you know, this is the reality. You have a girl out there who's basically pushing a chair and is going to be playing JV hockey in, in, you know, in a JV game six weeks from or four, six weeks away. That's, that's pretty scary and it's probably it's pretty alarming and now you have to like how can I get this where we don't have this issue uh five years from now yeah and you know I think the the concern for me it's just such a fine line to walk because um at some point it's unsafe to put a player out who you know maybe isn't as skilled as others when you're looking at you know the speed of the game and um obviously hockey is something you need to learn to skate to be able to compete in right um so that was a big struggle but on the other side of things we were very concerned that if we dropped our jv team we would we would get dropped by some of the more competitive double a teams they won't play single a teams yeah who who have numbers you know um and so looking at our schedule and looking at we kind of struggled back and forth to try to make that work and, and come up with what we felt was the best, you know, solution. So we, we took those players and, um, uh, did our best to try to help them out and, um, make it, you know, make it work as best as possible. But, um, we knew we were going to have to, to do something, um, to help, you know, fix that problem. And, uh, you know, it's not perfect, but, um, we started by, you know, doing things like having a, a youth hockey night at our high school game where youth players, we're able to get in free with some sponsorships from the community and having a little lumberjack of the game where we could incorporate them into our starting lineup and having a sister mentorship program and those sort of things to try to bridge that gap, um, develop relationships with high school players. So girls had goals and aspirations to play at the high school level. And that has helped significantly. You have a unique challenge or, or you can look at it as a challenge or not. And you also have, you have three communities that you're, and I believe it's three different school districts too, correct? Or it is. Yes. And that, like your first line this year had girls from each line, each city, right? Each time. Yeah. And, and that can be hard because I'm I'm a teacher in Cloquet, so I, I work with, you know, I see elementary students every day in Cloquet, but I'm not really directly involved in Esco or Carleton and don't know a ton of their youth players. Um, and some of the Esco kiddos play for the Esco, Car- Esco Youth Hockey Association, and the same would be for Carleton. Um, and then they co-op as they, you know, join the higher levels. But 
Um, so, you know, it's not a direct relationship that I necessarily have with everyone. So that's one of the challenges is just trying to get everyone involved. And I think the approach that I took um, along with, you know, the support of our, my coaching staff and some of the other community members was to try to get girls just knowing about girls hockey to get them at our games and then hopefully get them excited and wanting to try. Um, and that has really been cool to see. We've had kids, quite a few kids come out and up and um, hopefully they'll stay and continue to, to have goals to play at the high school level. Well, I can only imagine what great advertising it is, is to make the state tournament, to have a, you know, literally a, an unbelievable run to the, to the championship game uh, for for advertising and marketing the game of hockey and, and hockey itself playing girls hockey in Cloquesco and Carleton. Yeah. Oh, it, it, yeah. It's been a, it's been a remarkable year. And I think, um, you know, this is one of the years, you know, that might be the most successful or most enjoyable year of my, my coaching career. You know, you don't know what the future brings. And it's been one of those seasons that you look at just how fun and successful and our players stayed healthy and how much support we had from our youth program and youth and just our communities. And I, I, you know, I'm a broken record. I, I keep going back to our community support, but I can't say it enough. Um, I don't think, you know, the game means as much if you don't have the the support and the dynamic that we do from our communities and our towns. So, um, you know, it's one of, it truly was like a historic season and, and one that um, we'll never forget. And hopefully that excitement um, and those little kids that maybe saw some of the girls on TV and saw them and were on a rooter bus down at the state tournament will choose to join up and, and have goals to, you know, be there one day too. All right. So you're speaking of kiddos, you grew up, uh, the, the daughter of the high the boys high school coach, Dave Essie. <laughs> All right. So to explain what that's like, when, you know, most would think when you were two years old, you'd probably gotten your skates and started playing and were, you know, that that's not the case. You, you no. kind of, your dad kind of said, Hey, you know, choose it. If you, when you want to do it, you can. And, and talk about your career, how you started and, and, and how you, how you started to fell in love with the game. Yeah. You know, I think, um, growing up, you know, I, I have very vivid memories of, of being in the stands and being at the boys hockey game and having goals to, to be a part of a team like that. You know, I, I think when I was little, I didn't necessarily differentiate between the girls and the boys high school team, but um, I always had goals and dreams to be a lumberjack. I can specifically remember wanting to be number 21 and no way. <laughs> you know, wanting to be a part of that, um, which I wasn't. I don't know where that number came from, but probably a very good player I wanted to be like, I'm sure. But yeah, um, but I, yeah, I actually didn't start till, till I was six years old. Um, and I now at that point, girls high school hockey was a thing. Not at, it not was. at Cloquet, not Cloquet, right? No, not at Cloquet, but it was in the, in other areas. Um, but a lot of girls still played, were playing hockey even with boys then. So it wasn't weird like it was 20 years prior. You're right. Yeah, you're correct. Um, I played, um, I started in it just, you know, in the pretty basic learning to skate. And, um, you know, I think it would probably be a opposite of what a lot of people would think growing up with my dad being the boys high school coach, but there was never any you know, direct pressure to get me skating at the age of two or three. I, um, you know, I think they were encouraged me to do what I, what I had goals and, and wanted to do. And I chose, I guess I decided I wanted to play hockey. <laughs> so they, they allowed me to do that. And I'm fortunate um, that they let me have that opportunity. Here's you know, an and, odd and question. That. Where did yeah. you, where did you grow up? I grew up in Cloquet. So your, but your dad was like a Carlton coach and he was from Esco, right? So he's lived them so all. He, 
Yeah, he's from Esco. He taught in Carlton. He now teaches in Cloquet, but he taught in Carlton for quite a while. And then, yeah, coaches, coached Cloquet, Esco, Carlton. Yeah. For the all three. He's, so he's seen yeah, them all, he's right? He's all three. <laughs> yeah. He's seen them all. That's why I asked. I'm like, wait, whoa, whoa. I knew that he, he taught in Carlton, which is is quite a ways from, from Cloquet in, in, in when, when all things considered, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, yeah. It, it's it's not too terribly far, but um, we make it. But we make it work. Our, our cloquet is our practice and home. Right. You know, everything is is hosted here. So, no, I mean, I'm yeah. just saying it's not walking distance like some of these. No, that's, it's you, not. You, you nope. got to get in a car and drive a little bit to get to Carlton. Yeah, and that's the same for Asco. It's about 15 minutes, I think. For yeah. Each each location to to get to the rink. So. Right. Uh, okay. So you you grew up playing with boys. I, I, this is a great topic because it's it's such a hot button now in in <laughs> girls youth hockey, especially at the elite levels uh, that we, we that we cover. Uh, mm-hmm. Oh yeah, she plays with boys, or you know, and there's certain dads who let their daughters got to play with boys, and then there's certain dads or certain parents who, like they got to play with girls. Um, what was your experience playing with boys? You didn't really have a ch- much of a choice when you first started. Walk no. me through that decision process and walk me through playing with boys. Was it the highlight of your life or was it the worst experience in the world or somewhere <laughs> in between? You know, I, I feel like I had a good, I don't have terrible memories at all playing with boys. Um, everything has is positive from my youth playing career. Um, and, you know, I don't know if that's because <laughs> my dad was involved, was a high school boys coach or if it was just because I. Yeah, you know, probably. I was that, that was probably a good buffer, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah. I don't know, but don't be a jerk to the girl. That's the varsity coach. Right. Kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. Could be, but But not bad. I'll take it. I'd take it. Yeah. And I had some, I, some of my best friends were some of the team, you know, guys I played with, um, growing up through high school. So I, I always had a really good experience playing boys hockey. Um, there was a couple other girls in particular. One of them is Sadie Lundquist who, um, was a year older than me, and we were a lot on a lot of the same teams together. She went on to play for Midgey State and then played a little bit for the White Caps. But um, so Sadie and I were kind of through that experience together, um, and then went over to play high school hockey. Um, you went, when I was in seventh grade and she was in eighth so, grade. So playing boys really wasn't that. You didn't really go into the creepy years, right? So you, I, right. Yeah. So seventh, eighth, ninth grade boys. Are, I can admit I have one, and I was one. They are creepy, right? So <laughs> by the time you got to seventh grade, you got to pl- go play at the high school, and that was a pretty epic season for your for the high school program there at Cloquet. Yeah, and I was fortunate enough to you know to be a part of a team that saw some success. Um, yeah, you know, it, for a few years and. Um, yeah, so that was like uh, you know some of my best memories are just playing high school hockey, and um, I wouldn't change anything. You know, I think back on my experience growing up and and playing boys up to girls high school, and again the dynamic was totally different because we did not have girls youth programs, you know, like there are available now. But um, I have nothing but good things to say, and it was it was a really good experience for me, all good memories. So, all right, let's before we get into some of your hockey playing, you had uh, lost the state final as a seventh grader. Uh, third place as an eighth grader, and then runner-up. Uh, no, no, uh, uh, a, particip- a participant in two thousand nine. Three state tournaments, and you saw, you saw it was a four-teamer all the way into the eight-teamer days, right? So, mm-hmm. pretty. You're you've seen you've seen the basically the beginnings of girls hockey as to what it is today. Yeah, you know, I think the biggest thing that I can just kind of reflect on, which was really interesting for me this year as a coach. To go from thinking of, um, you know, being a really intimidated little seventh grader with braids in my hair to 
um, in Ritter Arena, you know, to um, being on the coaching side of things in the Exxon Energy Center in the state championship game. And you just, for me to think back and look at that change and how the game has grown and everything has, you know, it was just a cool thing for me personally. Um, of course, the game is not about me, but right. <laughs> that, that experience has just been something that, um, you know, it's a really cool thing to see how much hockey has changed. I can only imagine how proud your dad was for you to get that moment to coach, to be the head coach in a state tournament. And your parents, for that matter, grandparents, everybody, your whole family. Yeah, I am so fortunate. I have such a supportive family. I mean, I have, um, I'm fortunate to have all of my grandparents alive still, and they they are at all our games or listening on the radio. They're daycare um, had, too, right? <laughs> yeah, they're daycare as well. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. Is, but, right? Um, yeah, but they all, you know, they were all there and um, my whole family. Um, my sister took off time off of work. My brother-in-law came down. I had my aunts and uncles, you know, and I think that's just a, the whole community support as well. But, um, you know, I think that just goes back to just, we just have such a hockey family that, you know, everyone grew up playing the game and loved it and wanted to go down and, and support the team. So that was really cool for all of us. And what a cool experience. I mean, just getting the state final. And I mean, Breck is Breck, but everything else, <laughs> we'll get to Breck in a little bit. Well, I got to ask you the same question I asked Izzy Marvin last week. So we'll get to that. But just overall, uh, what a really, really uh, unbelievable experience for you to, to, to get to the state final like that. Yeah. And I don't think I would have ever expected that scripted that predicted that ever. You know, I think it's one of those moments that's almost surreal as a coach. Um, I think I keep going back to five years ago when I think of, you know, taking over the program and the team before had only one, you know, nine games that year. And you're looking at a program that's, we have hardly any JV kids and we're kind of falling apart a little bit to five years later being in the state championship game. I mean, you just, you can't predict that. That's, that's unreal. The turnaround. So um, you know, I, I think it's, like I said, it's almost surreal to think that we had that opportunity, but that all that credit has to go, you know, back to those players who put in the time, who worked hard, who helped to involve the youth numbers and, in help out at youth girls practices and, you know, has, and work hard to see that success. Yeah, no doubt about it. We'll, we'll come back to that. I want to talk a little bit about Taylor Nelson and, and that first line <laughs> that he had last year, but, but put a quick hold on that. I want to walk through. We're interviewing you and not interviewing Taylor Nelson. Um, I'd like to just walk through your, your career. So you played, you finished high school in 2010, uh, played three years of college hockey. The first year was at UW-Superior, and then two years at St. Saint, uh, Scholastica. And you put yourself through school, uh, having two parents with, mm-hmm. with um, uh, you know, just, just school teachers, right? <laughs> yeah. Um, yep. Walk through that. That's not easy. No, you know, I... <laughs> I, my memories of college, um, I can specifically remember I, I was a waitress at Perkins. There were times in the summer I would work overnight. So you're a college <laughs> hockey player and you work at Perkins. Walk through that. That's got to be fun. Yeah. Well, on my off, off times or off weekends, I'd try to pick up some shifts. And then I also did laundry for the team. I was hired um, through the athletic department as one of the student workers and helped did all the laundry. So when we, I can have vivid memories of coming back late from road trips, buses, you know, the eight hour trips or from Adrian or wherever we were coming back from and having to throw laundry into the, the dryer or the washer. No, um, the, of your in the team? Morning. Did you have to do the boy, the men's team too? I just did the girls. I was just hired for the girls, but oh, that was all the, goodness. you know, all the dirty Basketball too or just hockey? Just hockey. Okay. All right. 
Just hockey. So, yeah, I was fortunate to start girls team. But, you know, you think back to that. That's my memory of just, you know, working, having to work all the time. But, um, you know, I think, you know, without having that experience, it just makes me that much more appreciative of of where I've gotten to today. So, and, you know, being able to to not have to work and do laundry and <laughs> get, be a waitress, you know, and not to knock waitressing. But I'm, I'm able to not have to do that at this point. So, so- Normally during high school hockey podcasts, we don't talk about love stories, but your love story is pretty cool. <laughs> I gotta tell you, normally we don't talk about this, but it's pretty yeah. neat. Your, your husband Tyler is a Duluth East grad who you met right before college or during college at some point, and he has the same track as you are. He was an athlete. Uh, he's a coach. Uh, is it Southridge High School mm-hmm. baseball coach? Yeah. Um, and he's also an elementary school teacher, and you guys because you went to a small school had basically every class together walk through how you guys met and and how this works so we cloquet um used to have a a very large wiffle ball tournament um that sounds cool of itself by the way you told me that like that sounds cool so it must have been like a big huge community gathering is it a fundraiser or is it okay all right no nope so it started small quite a few years ago i mean you know probably like 20 years ago of just like a, a couple of neighborhood kids each year hosting a small tournament. And then yeah. it grew and grew and grew. And it grew to the point where everyone had sponsored team t-shirts and it was broadcast on the radio. And um, it was held in Erickson Acres, which is a, a big neighborhood where lots of kids live um, in our community. And so um, that was something we had gone to quite a few years. And um, this year in particular that I met my husband Tyler at, we I was participating in it. I was on the only all girls team, um, a football team. And he was coming from St. Sklaska. He was on a team of all St. Sklaska baseball players. So we met at that wiffle ball tournament. And then um, it worked out that we were just happened to both be elementary teachers uh, or wanting to be elementary teachers um, with aspirations to coach and um, ended up both being at St. Sklaska and not by choice, but our, because of the small school we were in, every single elementary ed class together because there was only one option and we were on the same track. So we were in all the reading and math classes and all those courses together. So um, our college experience, we truly went through it all together um, and then ended up both getting hired as teachers and coaches in the community. So when you had classes together, and you were in a fight. How do you do that? Because you know what I mean. <laughs> Think about that. Like that's yeah. Hey, can I look at your no. homework? No, you can't look at my homework, right? No, I, you know the only thing I can really remember is I remember at times wanting to have a partner, and people just assumed we'd wanted to be partners together because you know we were dating, which wasn't always the case. It's right. <laughs> we had to work on a group project. It's nice to mix it up a couple, you know, right. once in a while. So. But on the other flip side of things, it was nice to have um, him there or myself there when we traveling for our our sports. So it was it was nice in that regard to have someone who you knew was able to take notes for you or whatever if you're on the road, you know, on traveling, um, and kind of flip flop. So and you it worked out. And you were smart, at least at least on paper you're smart because <laughs> you said you finished college in three years. I yeah I did, and I you know that was a really tough. Um, decision for me hockey wise, because that means that that meant I had to give up a year of hockey eligibility. But, um, when it came down to it, it it was, um, because I was paying for my own college and had to take out some loans. It just looked at, you know, the financial weight of, um, having to pay for that extra year. Just unfortunately I felt didn't, didn't, uh, justify, you know, spending another $30,000. So 
I was really lucky to have an awesome college coach, um, Jackie McMillan. Um, and Coach McMillan offered me a job so I could still be involved because I think she understood how difficult it was for me right. to make that decision to give up a career, you know, something you've been working for your whole life. Um, so she allowed me to start as a uh, an assistant coach. Um, and I got hired as a Coaching was job, always but, in your track, right? You said that, right? Yeah, I actually, yeah, I actually created my own minor. Um, St. Scholastica did not have a coaching minor, and I was really interested in that. So my um, advisor and whoever else helped me design a, um, some own courses, and I had to do some of my own research to come up with a, a coaching minor. So I graduated with, I'm probably one of the only ones, if not the only one to graduate from St. Scholastica with an elementary ed major and coaching minor. Oh, that's cool. So then yeah. you start coaching right out of, right out of, college you're you I'm, I'm guessing you got an elementary gig of some sort and then coached uh for a couple years at saint scholastica yeah so i got hired as a second grade teacher um and you know my husband and i were both going we knew it was going to be hard to find elementary jobs so we applied all over the country and we had this philosophy that wherever we got our first offer we were going to go and we were engaged at that point so we thought okay if we get offered jobs in Alaska or Arizona or Florida wherever we get offered jobs we're going to we're going to head there we're going to start there and um, but we just had to both get a job within you know somewhat close vicinities but we both ironically got jobs here (laughs) so we we had applied to places in all over the country Colorado Alaska Florida um, Arizona and the first offers we received were here I got one in Cloquette Church Elementary and he had a job offer at Southridge. Um, so we took them. And so that ended up with me staying here. Um, and then helping out at St. Scholastica, I was an assistant coach. Um, I, I helped with what I could and I did not travel since I was a brand new coach right. uh, or brand new teacher, um, but helped at all the um, practices here. And then any local games, I was on the bench helping with the defense, run the defense and started out. It was nice to get, get back into the game a little bit. And then in 2015, after two years at St. Scholastica, you get the, the, the cloquet job opens up. And did anyone even compete with you when you put your, I'm sure you were the only <laughs> applicant to apply for the job, right? I was not. Um, but <laughs> I'm kidding, by the way. <laughs> I, I, I know. But, um, you know, I actually was not even sure if I wanted to apply right away because I knew kind of the situation the program was in and um, the level um, of commitment it would take it. It's something that, um, I kind of have the philosophy if I'm going to go on, I have to go all in, you know, right. and, um, I didn't want to commit to taking a program on that needed some, some work, um, and some effort and, you know, needed, needed some help being rebuild, rebuilding if I wasn't able to fully commit to that. So, um, it took me some time. I, um, I had quite a few people reach out to me when I, and I didn't apply to almost, the last day it was closed. I waited till the end because I really wanted to be thoughtful whether I wanted to take this on. Yep. Um, and, and the way I looked at it was if I'm going to commit, I want to commit until they don't want to hire me anymore. <laughs> right. You know, I don't want to, I don't want to be thinking this is a one or two year program or, you know, job because I don't think that's, it's just, I guess not my personality. Um, right. So was there any, was there any tribulation that your dad was also coaching at the time and maybe you're walking in his footsteps or, or was that part of the excitement of taking the job? Um, you know, I think that actually caused me, um, that helped me reflect a little bit on whether I wanted to, um, commit to it because I saw firsthand, you know, we talk about coaching all the time and, and we talk about, you know, all the successes, but 
you know, people often forget about the late nights that you're laying in bed thinking about the kid you didn't play, you know, or how many shifts they got or the parents that sent you the, the nasty email or the, the not so fun things about planning practice at 10 at night or, you know, having to deal with financial issues or whatever it may be. So that part I saw firsthand, you know, and I can remember growing up and after a tough loss, watching him sit on the couch and reflect and taking notes and what can we do better? What can our team do better? What can I do better? And that was something I wanted to really um, you know, think thoughtfully about before I just impulsively applied and, and think about it. Do I want to take that on? Do I want to take on the the positives that we all think about, but also the negatives that come along with that? You mentioned and, something there. <laughs> like, like I got to imagine being the, the, the second assistant or the third assistant over at St. Scholastica was a, a cakewalk compared to walking into what you walked into <laughs> at Cloquet, correct? Yes, I would. Yes, the, I the would responsibility is far less. Yeah. And I don't think anyone, um, you know, I don't think you think about when you're applying for the job, that some of the things that are not broadcasted, like I, you know, you think of coaching hockey and I, I think of X's and O's. I don't think of like budgeting and dealing with equipment issues or busing or scheduling practices or, you know, you maybe think of some of the obvious in front of you, but there's a lot behind the scenes that you kind of have to do. And that's something I was actually fortunate to be privy to with my dad being a head coach and having 26 years of experience. So I, I saw that. And, um, like I said, I weighed it and I decided that it was, I felt like it was worth it. So I, I put my name in the hat to apply. And, um, unfortunately I was not easily hired. <laughs> it took a little bit. Um, there was a couple of special board meetings because I think there was some debate on whether I was hired because I was my father's daughter or not. And, yeah. um, so that was a, uh, I didn't start super smoothly. I had <laughs> some controversy before I even got hired really? on whether I deserved, deserved to be hired or not. Yeah. Okay. But, um, after that settled down, I was able well, to, that probably puts a little fuel on the fire, doesn't it? Gets you fired up a little bit. It definitely made me question if this was what I wanted to walk into because before I had even been officially hired, I had already was kind of walking into, you know, some controversy. So um, it, it worked out and I'm so fortunate that I stuck it out and that families were supportive and, um, the school board chose to, you know, to move forward with the recommendation of me being hired. Um, but yeah, it definitely, it started off a little bit, a little rocky. Um, it smoothed out after that. Well, it sure did. Um, after, you know, you had a lot of success. It wasn't just this, it wasn't this, uh, uh, one shining moment. You guys had a great team last year as well. So it slowly built into a really nice little program. Yeah. You know, and I, again, I have to go back to those players are just, we are fortunate to have players who work hard and bought into the program and did what was asked of them, you know, to the best of their ability. And, you know, I say this at almost every press conference or any, anyone I've talked to about our team is I really believe we have 20 players who gave it their best shots, you know, at the state tournament and who, who worked as hard as they could throughout the season. Um, but that started, you know, not being satisfied as, as eighth graders and ninth graders and 10th graders and, and wanting to see success. Um, in particular, our team this year, you know, and I'm kind of going back to this team, the state tournament and their success, but this team um, last year after losing, we lost on a Saturday um, and on we had a week of captain just ice that was available that was still rented yep. um, so the girls could go if they chose. And that's always hands off. You know, of course, I'm not running anything and I'm, <laughs> the season's over for us. Um, I typically have individual player meetings. But last year, we lost on Saturday. As of Monday, we had 100% attendance. Um, our seniors, to be seniors, were running a captain's practice. 
full practice as if nothing had happened, as if the season was never over. And I think that in itself just speaks to the level of dedication those girls have put in to help grow this program and help it be successful. Um, and, you know, just the, the want and the desire and the will to, to be successful. It's a pretty cool thing. Um, let's talk about that line, uh, the Nelson Bender de Leon line. Um, it's as good a group that you're going to see in the state. Um, and you had them for basically since you started. Yeah, so Dia played boys hockey and came a year after Kiana and Taylor did. Yep. Kiana and Taylor joined, um, started in eighth grade. So they, Kiana, um, Bender, and Taylor Nelson are five-year starters, and Dia was a four-year starter. And their line played together for three straight years. They just played together. Um, I tried a few times to separate them, and <laughs> it would not work. Um, you know, I, I thought, you know, you have different philosophies in how you run the game on whether you want to sort of spread the wealth or, right. you know, oh, you yeah. have a power line. and. Um, we tried a few times and the success we saw, um, worked best when they were together. So, um, it is a, a line that we are going to greatly miss all of our seniors this year. Um, you know, before the season even started, we had already started talking about how they're just such great kids on and off the ice. Um, and those three in particular are such good athletes. They're all three sport athletes, which is often a rarity. Um, you know, I think in today's society, um, they're all three sport athletes. They're all captains of their three sports and they all had opportunity to play multiple sports in college. And that's I, the part that, that's most impressive. It's like every one of these girls in the press conference, like, well, I play softball. I this. I'm like, wow, what a bunch of great athletes. Yeah. And I think that just is a representation of our community. Um, you know, I don't know the number off the top of my head anymore, but it's well over half our team, um, pushing two thirds of our team, um, are two or three sport athletes. So we, we really encourage girls to be multi-sport athletes because in our small community, if they're not, we don't have programs, you know? So I think if, if girls don't play softball and hockey, one of those teams is not going to have enough players, you know, or vice versa for other sports. So, um, you know, we try to be as supportive as possible and I, you see different programs, maybe don't have that same message. And we do, you know, I encourage girls to take time in the off season to have a summer to be able to go and play softball and soccer and not do hockey all year. I don't think that's healthy. And I think it's, you know, something that maybe is a different message than, than other people send, but we have to in our community. Just on that line alone, there's three great individual stories and, and you kind of saw it all unfold uh, at the press conference after the state final game and someone asked a question about not being with each other. I think it was that was the, the line of the question between Taylor and Kiana. Kiana played, like you said, five years together. And if you know Kiana Bender, her breaking down and crying uh, pretty much tells the story. Yeah, that's unheard of. <laughs> you know, I she is she is such a great kid, but she is the ultimate competitor. I mean, I would argue that I have... I have yet to to meet or to play or to coach a player who has who is as competitive as she is. Um, there are little things, you know, like who can get to the bus fastest, and she is like racing to the bus. You know, I mean, just everything and anything that you can be competitive about or with, she is. Um, and I, so for her to get emotional like that, I think just was a testament to the relationship that she has built with her teammates and how close of a bond they have. She probably um, said before the press conference, I'm going to get the most likes on Twitter, uh, most <laughs> views on Twitter out of this press conference out of any of you guys. I'm just joking, right? Because she did. Yes. It blew up. It was crazy. Yeah. And I, you know, and I 
I crazy good, really good. It was, yeah. And I'm proud of the way those two handled that because, you know, it was very uncomfortable for me sitting between them watching her break down and cry, you know, and I, I wanted to jump in a little bit and, and kind of comfort her. But, you know, part of that too is just that raw emotion um, of really, you know, how I think you just can't beat that. That's how they feel. And it, and it's just a, an example of how important it is to stay in your local community and, and look at the relationship that she had by playing with her teammates for the last four or five years. Um, you know, you can't beat that. Um, and that's a whole different discussion. Um, you know, players moving and, and changing and that and right. that's more boys hockey directed. But um, you still, you know, you look you look at that and staying home and playing at that high level and, and developing and building those relationships. That's just something that those memories shall have the rest of her life. And that just, you know, you can't, it's never going to change. Well, this discussion can't, you know, we we can't end this discussion talking online without talking about Taylor. I mean, I mean, I th- by all accounts, she's the best volleyball player uh, at her high school. She's the best softball player. She's the best hockey, arguably one of the best hockey players in the state. Uh, talk about her story. Uh, it's not exactly all roses. I mean, she lost her father when she, when she was 10, 11, 12 years old. It's not been uh, a, a, a perfect life for her, and she has definitely made the the best of it all. I mean, it's been a, her story is fantastic. Yeah, and I don't think anyone even, you know, you look at Taylor, and I think sometimes people see the press she has received because she is such an amazing athlete in all the sports she competes in, you know, she's received um, all area player of the year in volleyball and softball and hockey. And so she's, she gets a lot of credit, but I cannot say it enough. She is so deserving of every credit that she has received or she gets from anyone and everyone. Um, Taylor is one of those players that I feel so fortunate to have had the opportunity to coach. Um, And, you know, just to get to know, um, the amount of grace uh, that she has had and handled herself with and selflessness is just such a learning opportunity, um, you know, for all of us and anyone who's had the opportunity to work with her. I have never heard her take credit for anything (laughs) at our end of the year coaching meeting. I was, you know, talking with her one-on-one and just, you know, complimenting her and, and telling her how much of a legacy she's left in this program and she ends by saying, you know, well, you got to give credit to my teammates and the coaching. And I said, Taylor, this is not a press conference. Right. So I'm just wanting to compliment you. And, and she wouldn't take it. And yeah. I think that's just a testament to her being the ultimate team player. Um, but, yeah, you know, you go back to um, Taylor growing up has faced some adversity. And, you know, and I think um, you see the success and you don't realize that she's had to work for everything that she's um, earned her way up and she's she's unfortunately lost her dad in a car accident and has kind of had to go through that and you know some challenges and um you know it's been a, a tough road at times for her but I think she has continued to persevere through any and everything that she's faced um and I I could not say enough good things about her but one of the I was so proud of her for earning um the uh her Brooks award at the state tournament because you know, you, you're proud of all of your team. And, you know, I, f- I personally feel like we have 20 great girls on our team, but she is just the ultimate uh, team player and her character. Um, so I was just really happy to see she earned that. That's the first first boys or girls program and program CC program history to ever receive that. So that was pretty cool. 
I, having known her story, I kind of got chills when I saw that award announced to her. It was so well deserved, especially you know in this situation where, where when when you lose your father, there's a lot of a lot of people, and I you know I can't speak for myself, but you kind of act out when you have that. And she did just the opposite of whatever acting out he is. She became it seemed even better as a human yeah. being and person and and caring for others. Absolutely, and I think too, um, you know. I could just go on and on about her, but she has just her work ethic and dedication and everything that she commits to. If she commits, she's all in, you know, there is no half or there's no time off. And even a great example, she was being recruited pretty heavily early on. um, And she chose and verbally committed to Bemidji state. Right. And we, as a coaching staff, were talking about this at the end of the year. None of us can recall one practice that she ever missed, not one, with the exception of softball or volleyball. I should right. clarify that. But we don't ever recall her missing one practice for being sick, for, you know, having something else going on. And she had a scholarship, you know, she was committed. So, she, you know, technically you, you yeah. have that already offered to you. You can, you can lay back a little bit. Some players would. She did not. If anything else, she bore down and continued to, you know, push through and, and, and um, want to be better. Postseason, she's already talking about what can we do in the summer? I want to make sure I go into Bemidji successful and competitive. You know, I mean, I think she's just so driven. She's going to be successful. Even when hockey ends, she's going to go on to be successful in life and probably run some big company or something and make a lot more money than I do. <laughs> right. right. Give us loans, right? Yeah. <laughs> Interest-free loans. All right. Um, I'm glad you brought up Bemidji because um, it's a it's a hotbed for northern Minnesota girls to go play. Your sister played there. Mm-hmm. Um and and without North North Dakota loses its girl women's program uh, three four years ago, and what are the effect? You see the effects of this every day. I would assume that the twenty fewer scholarships at North Dakota, where a lot of kids from Northern Minnesota would end up going to play, uh, the trickle down effect of that. Can you talk about we talked a little bit of that before, but elaborate on how yeah. how that's affected everything. Yeah, you know, I think um, you look at some of our. I'll speak to our team because that's what I can, you know, I can talk about, but you know, you look at some of our players um, who have been a part of our team and um, Taylor's the only one going to play division one hockey. Um, And then we have a defenseman, Jenna Zadevsky, who's going to play um, hockey in Montana. Okay. Um, And, you know, you look at maybe this is the success our program has had this past year. And we have two players going on to play um, one division one and, I'm not even sure what Jenna's is and I don't probably club uh, of some sort. I'm yeah. Guessing. It's, it's a, yeah. And I don't know the exact league or whatever it would be in, but, um, but arguably we should have more, you know? Um, and I'm going to kind of pick on Kiana for a little bit is Kiana Bender has had a super successful career. Um, in fact, um, she is number two in all time leading point scoring in boys and girls CEC hockey history. Right. And she is not playing college hockey. And I think that in itself is an example, the effect that, you know, North Dakota has had and not maybe necessarily North Dakota not recruiting her is what I mean. But because of those 20 spots, that trickles down to other Division One schools who then trickle down to other Division Three schools. And as it filters down, it really limits the players who have the opportunity to play. And I think that was something that was really hard for all of us in the program to see um, Kiana maybe not have you know, a, a, um, a, a ton of division one opportunities. Um, you know, I'm super happy she's going to play softball at UMD and I know she's going to be successful there, but I think you look at that, 
situation with North Dakota, and it really has impact, impacted quite a few players, and even down to impacting who can play Division Three. So yeah. it's a huge trickle-down effect that we don't really think about. I think we think right in front, like, oh, UND closed. That's too bad for UND, but it, it really affects too bad everyone. For everybody. It's huge. It's huge. All right, uh, a couple more topics before we wrap the show up. Uh, I, I got to ask you your opinion on Breck. Um, and, and before I before I, I lead you to, to the to the river on this one, uh, I was interviewing a player, uh, class double A player, one of our five finalists for uh, high school player of the year. So this is one of the five best players in the state, arguably, arguably right? And I, I said to her, I said, well, how about that Breck team? They're pretty good. She goes, they better be good. I'm like, what do you mean? She goes, well, I train with all those girls in the offseason. And every girl on that team is training full time. And they're playing at a very, very elite level with OS or Minnesota girls or whatever, right? Team Minnesota or whatever. And, and I go, well, yeah, okay. She goes, only half of my team does that. Is is committed to that level. So her point being is, they should be better. They should be good. They should be the best team in the state. They have a basically a cast of all stars, double A all stars playing at the single A level. Um, So now and now they're playing against Cloquet Esco Carlton, who doesn't even have a A team at the twelve A level, twelve level in in girls youth. How is this fair, yeah. right? So I, I know I'm trying to set you up to say they should move up, but but there's also <laughs> there's a lot of ways to look at it. What are your thoughts on on Breck? Because it's well, they're a very it's a very tantalizing topic in girls high school hockey. Yeah, and I would agree 100 percent with with what that player was saying. I think you know I, I look at our program and I have and I have I said this post um, I believe championship game is I would not trade anyone on our team, and I firmly mean that. I love all of our our girls, and I we are fortunate to have such a, just a solid group of hardworking kids who, you know, are just great kids on and off the ice um, and are successful in the classroom and are multi-sport athletes and in the community and do all these awesome things. And when you look at those, those girls um, and we just have a bunch of hardworking kids. And then you look at girls who hockey is their career. Hockey is probably what's going to take them to the next level. You know, the number of players on their team that are playing division one, um, how they've committed to hockey you know, I'd be curious how many of those players, if any, play multi-sports or, mm-hmm. and I don't know. I don't know. You know, but you look at our program and almost every varsity hockey player on our team is a multi-sport athlete. Um, and again, I don't know, I used to know the number off the, uh, for our program. I don't know off the top of my head anymore, but the majority of our girls participate in other sports. So when you're looking at that coming in, it's not even a comparable game. Uh, we also, I think, um, you know, don't have the fortune to be able to kind of pick and choose who is on our team. We have these kids who grew up who, um, you know, we have what's in front of us. And some of that is just where our pride comes from and our community support comes from and why we have, we're so prideful and so proud of the success that we've seen because we're, we're a homegrown raised team and we stay and play in our communities and, um, you know, do the best we have with what we can or best, you know, and, um, I think, you know, of course you're going to see, hear different things. And I think if, you know, I was the Brett coach, maybe I'd be saying something different, but you know, yeah, I think it's, it's really not necessarily a fair um, game going in. We of course didn't tell our players that, no. <laughs> but we all knew as coaching staff going in, like if we can keep this out of running time, um, <laughs> you know, we're, we're going to, that, that, that's our goal. You know, of course miracles can happen, but that would have been what it would have been. I mean, if you look at the one of the one players on their team and our team, 
they should beat us by a lot. In fact, they should have probably beat us by more, you know? So um, is it fair? No, I don't think so. Um, you know, I, I have my opinions that I don't necessarily think if you can recruit that you sh- should be playing the small schools, but right. that's, you know, but that's my, my personal opinion. It's, and a, I, it's a weird dynamic because you look at Blake, they moved up to double A and they never made it to the double A state tournament. And now their program, they just lost to YZ in the section semis. It seems, even though I think they're still an awesome hockey program, hockey team, it seems as though the luster has worn off a little bit on Blake. You know yeah, what I'm saying? I, so there's no guarantee if you move up to double A that you're nope. going to be, you know, a more successful program. No. And you're, and I totally agree with you. And I think that's part of what makes the state tournament such, um, such a, an awesome experience. I, you know, I, I go back and forth on teams. Like we, you know, we're low. I, I think about our boys team chooses to play double A and yes. they maybe go every 10 years. And our town is so prideful, even though we go every 10 years, you know, or if that. They would um, never play A, would they? No, I don't think they would. I don't and I, you know, Same with Grand Rapids. It would never yeah. happen. And even though we're not as successful as maybe, you know, they, uh, some of the other double A teams, it is all our single A teams and not at the state tournament, you know, every year and not playing in the state championship game. It means so much more when you earn the right to get there. And it's not an expectation. It is an honor. And, you know, and that was something I was so proud of our girls this year is because when we went down, everyone was so gracious and so kind to all the staff that they worked with. And so, you know, honored to be there. And then you see some teams who maybe didn't have that same attitude and weren't as respectful and felt like it was a something they, they deserved versus yeah. something they were, you know, honored to be a part of. And I And that's kind of my attitude on the game of hockey. And that, you know, we need to respect the game of hockey and it will respect you and that whole dynamic. And maybe some of my father, you know, uh, my father's daughters, you know, growing up with his dynamic and mentality yeah. of the old school kind of hockey. But so I, I, you know, I go back to that back and forth, but I, I really feel like if you are there every year, it really takes away from the specialness and uniqueness and what the state tournament really means. It really does. All right. Uh, I got two more topics. Uh, these are juicy ones. Uh, these are probably the most juicy. If you, you should just tune in now, right? Um, <laughs> I want to talk about Proctor Hermantown and you, mm-hmm. you kind of alluded to it a little bit there, but I don't want to go, go down that road of the Proctor Hermantown. I want to set them up as a model program for uh youth and girls hockey in the state of minnesota and now you look up the road 10 miles or whatever it is and go hey i gotta beat these guys every year in order to go to state and they're they're at the youth levels proctor hermantown and 10 a's and 12 a's and 15 a's they're very strong year in and year out what are you gonna have to do in order to model yourself and and beat them year in and year out i will say this tumble in the face numbers 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 um you know i think of course you can talk x's and o's and you know there's right. strategy to any type of game you play but and you're clearly a think, more wise sage than, than emma stauber but so, so you're just gonna have to get better players right even <laughs> no, even players I mean. right i'm kidding I'm, not. <laughs> you beat her when you were in high school right you beat her this year you're just you're just superior yeah. to her yeah, except she. Let's not forget two weeks before the, the section final, they took it to us in that game. So I know, they, I know, I know. They had a. They, yeah. and I think I picked huh. against you in the section final too, by the way. But you, you, you're still taking my call. 
uh, quite a few people picked against us, so it's okay, including our local newspaper, which I, I was disappointed with. The Cloquet paper? <laughs> we were ranked second. They predicted, so I was a little disappointed in that, but that's that's my whole other topic, <laughs> right? No one, no respect, no respect, we, right? We became a Cinderella star. We have to earn yeah, it. Yeah, so I okay. love it. I love it. Um, but yeah, but you know, I think um, to, if we want to compete, you know, with the best, and I think it's no question saying Proctor Hermantown has been the best in our in our single section seven a, I mean, over and over again, they've been like the dynasty of making it down to the state tournament or having super successful years and being in the section final. Um, I don't know off the top of my head, but I don't recall the last year that they were not in a section final game right. and maybe I'm wrong, you know, but I, I don't remember in any time recent that they have not been in a section final game. So I think that in itself just tells you the level of depth, um, you know, that they have in their program, seniors graduate and they just have good players coming up, but that starts back to the youth. You know, they have a ton of numbers. They have just girls coming out and who are great athletes pulling from Proctor and Hermantown communities. So I think, yeah, we want to model that same, or we want to have numbers where we have enough numbers to have a U8, a U10, you know, a U12. And right now that's all we have. So it'd be great to even have additional numbers. And even to the point where maybe we don't have to debate do we need a U15 or do we have a JV or are we able to have both? Because you your, know, your so. JV team is basically a U15 team, correct? Yeah. So be, essentially our kids go from U12B to jump up to JV hockey. And Which that is, is a quite huge jump. jump. Especially yeah. when you're on your tougher, because you're going to have a the, 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 the easy half of a schedule and the tougher half. The tougher half, those JV girls are, are up for, up for a, a battle when they get to yeah. JV, right? There is... Um, there's a couple years ago, we, we played Andover before we oh, dropped dear Lord. the schedule <laughs> and they actually, um, they stopped. We did not get a shot at all in our JV game. Not one shot on that. And wow. they stopped putting up score in the JV game. I mean, it was like 15 to nothing and they stopped putting up the score. It just got outrageous. And why I'm saying that is not to pick on our JV kids because they're, no. they're trying their best, but the, the, comparison to expect us to compete against you know and that's obviously one of the best in double a hockey but to expect those you know seventh eighth graders to compete with some of the juniors and 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 sophomores on and or jv team who could probably be on our varsity team you know yeah um it's not even comparable and so you but and but a team like proctor hometown can they can compete with them and they have and they are yeah you you look at their record all year they are competing with the double a teams so I think that's a testament to just the depth of the numbers. So if we want to get there, we have to start getting girls to be involved in youth hockey, getting bigger numbers, do you modeling have a team, after the program. Do you have one team at each level? So one 12-year-old team, one 10-year-old team, one 8-year-old team? We have one 12 team, two okay. 10 teams, okay. and two U8 teams. Oh, so it's growing. It is, you, you're lining up with what U.S. Minnesota Hockey is saying, right, where your, your numbers are, are growing at the younger levels. We are. Yeah. So in theory, you're almost, you, you know better than anyone, you're almost to the point, you know, in four or five years where you're going to have a 15B or 15A team uh, number of kids, right? That's the dream, isn't it? That is the dream, yeah. The 15 and, you know, and then every... two 12 year old teams and two 10 year old teams and, and so yeah. on. Yeah, that is absolutely the dream. And I, it's possible because you look at our boys' team and our boys' team has multiple, you know, I think there's a Bantam AA, a Bantam A, and a Bantam B, you know, and there's, uh, you know, there's all these, there's, they have multiple teams, but it is possible. It's not like we don't have enough 
youth kids in our communities. We do. We just have to get somehow get the girls to be involved in our youth girls hockey program. And then if we can do that, hopefully our numbers, you know, continue to improve. And then we have more people to choose from that goes along with being more depth. And that just, you know, you hopefully can compete with the. I think it would be helpful if you were a nicer teacher at the elementary (laughs) level, right? Oh, yeah, maybe that's it. I scare him away (laughs) in my classroom. I'm joking. But I do think it's kind of neat, though. I mean, like, you're going to have access to at least one school of elementary kids uh, going through your school and, you know, knowing who who some of these good kids are and and being attractive that way. Yeah, and I I really – um, that's kind of been my, what I've taken on, um, you know, one of my goals as a coach, um, is to just really be as involved as, as possible. And, you know, I don't know what the future brings and, you know, I could get fired tomorrow for all I know, but I want, one thing I always want to be, I'm super conscientious of is I always want to make sure I left the program better than what I started it with. And I, you know, whatever I did is in a better scenario than what I was given. Um, and so I've been working really hard to, to be involved, you know, with the youth as much as possible and, and to try to, you know, bring some energy and excitement to the girls team and, and be at, you know, an active member. And, um, I've had a couple of my players or a couple of my students who are hockey players have gone to their games and cheered them on and it's been fun to see. And hopefully, you know, they continue to stay and play. Well, it's gonna. One thing that I'm just gonna fight a little battle for you here is, as a father of three, is it is tricky. You have a tricky lifestyle because you're coaching at the high school level, and it's a lot of time. So you're you're at the rink, and you also have two young children, a year old and three and a half years old. So you can't exactly. It's it's harder to put on learn to skate programs and 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 hustle as much as it, with two kids and a husband. It's a little trickier to hustling at that super young young level with a three four five year old kids getting them into learn to skate and and type of program. But it's not impossible. But it's it's a little trickier uh, to be involved at the youth level, as one might say or see. Yeah, I. Yes. And I, you know, I'm super fortunate because my husband is a coach and teacher that he understands the um, commitment that I feel I need to put in. And, you know, maybe that's my, just my own personality, but I, I have a really hard time, um, you know, stepping in and not feeling like I'm doing everything I can. And he's Um, probably got some similar challenges with his baseball program, getting kids involved in baseball in his area and his community to build his program. Right. So he, you kind of can lean on each other a little bit, right? And, you know, he had almost an identical scenario where they had, you know, I'm getting off on his program now, but okay. um, basically they, they, they had, a, and I don't know the exact number, you know, but around 20 kids, his first year coaching, and now they're up to 40 and having to talk about if they're going to cut kids and, and what that looks like. And they've seen success. They went from never going to the state tournament in their program history to going the last two years and being successful. And it's been really fun to see. So for the both of us, we're in unique situations where we kind of, stepped into programs that were, you know, needing some help rebuilding. And, um, I think that has helped. He put on, I know he put on a lot of youth camps and got kids involved and had youth kids at his high school practice and, you know, did some really cool things. And so we've piggybacked back and forth off, you know, kind of ideas from each other. And when I, it's hard at times, you know, it's hard to be away from my girls at times and there's road trips, you know, after tough losses or whatever, where I'm right. sitting at the rink going is, you know, is this worth it? I'm right. My three, my three year old's home crying and I, you know, I can't be home with her, but we I heard, think- we heard a little cry here already today. Didn't we? <laughs> 
yeah, she's she's outside the door. I'm sure. I love it. Stuff, I love that. Like, oh, how real is that interview? You know, it it is. No, absolutely. I actually had an interview one time where they I had to leave early because she was like pounding on the door, yelling, "Mom, mom!" <laughs> and I'm like, "I'm so sorry. I have to go. I can't. This is what's really happening when you you know." It's the reality, right? It is. It is. But yeah, she. You know, I I think there's times you of course question that, but um you know, you look at is, do you enjoy it? And I do. So I feel like it's worth it. All right. Last topic. And we talked a little bit about this. Now I just queued up the noise, didn't I? Um, the last topic I wanted to talk about was, this is going to be a weird one. And we talked a little bit about for the show and it's called sexism. You know, it's, 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 it's a reality of women being in a sport that 20, 30 years ago, there wasn't an involvement with, um, and I don't think it's as deep, you know, is argued about as racism in our country right now. But I even feel it as a male reporter uh, talking about female athletics or female the sport. I can even feel it because I, I call it the eye roll. I'm like, uh, where, mm-hmm. where are you going tonight? And, you know, it's usually, you know, they, they want me to say Minnetonka versus Dinah. I'm like, well, actually, I'm going to go watch Breck and Edina girls. And they'll look at me like, why would you go to that? You know, I, I get that as a reporter and I'm like, well, cause it's the two best teams in the state right now and they're playing each other. That's way more exciting than going to go watch another Edina, uh, Minnetonka boys game. That, I, I've seen that game a million times. I, the girls game is so exciting for me, the growth of it and, and where they are in the stage of hockey. What are your thoughts on, on how females are treated in the sport or whether it's, whether it be ice time or whether it be coverage or whether it be just just overall respect for the game yeah you know um it there are times where I have definitely been frustrated um I can just speak again for my own personal experience there are times that I have questioned if I would have had the same treatment if I would have been a male um I think as a young female coach um I have had a male assistant my entire five years um coaching um my former assistant was his name is Scott Arnson he's the now Esco had football coach. So mm-hmm. he stepped down when he took over that job. And then my dad joined on staff after that. Um, and, you know, I would say um, the majority of times I officials or, you know, even people coming over game managers assume he's the coach or the male was always the coach. Um, and there are times where I've had, I've had officials um, not, not acknowledge me or talk to me and talk directly to them that my male assistant coach, even though I'm the head coach yep, and that has been really frustrating, you know? Um, and I think, you know, I don't want to speak for my dad, but I, I will just say, I think he has shared his, some thoughts on how shocking it is to see the difference in boys and girls hockey, um, you know, on, on things we didn't even realize was, was not happening, you know, situations where he would be like, wow, that is drastically different than what the boys. I can imagine. So you know, and I think he went from, of course, being the head coach of a very successful, you know, boys team and, right. um, and then going kind of to the other side of things, um, for a while. And, and he's kind of got to see that firsthand. So, um, you know, it is, there definitely, it definitely occurs. I, you know, whether it's, um, super obvious or not, um, you know, and sometimes I, I know I'm a young female, so there's times where maybe someone doesn't realize I'm the head coach because I'm not, you know, an, an older man. You look or like you're gentleman. 14, by the way. So <laughs> I, I get why the rest, some of the rest might go skate yeah. to your grandpa looking dad, yeah. but I, I agree. <laughs> I think it's grandpa. super cool. I think it is super cool. Right. Yeah. I mean, in some ways it's like, oh, wow. You know, you are the coach. 
Um, but you stand in a sp- I've watched you stand in the middle, like where the head coach stands. So they should know who the head coach is, don't you think? Yeah, and there's times where there's officials that I have had, and I don't mean to criticize officials, but, right. and I, but this is primarily who I'm dealing with, you know. Right. And I am, and on the on the while I'm saying this, I want to just say officials do not get enough credit for what they do, and I know we are, you know, constantly in need of officials. So I don't want it to sound like I'm sitting here and bashing them. No, <laughs> that is not at all the message I'm trying to get across. But that you know, when I think of my coaching and my, you know, who have I been, um, affected? I think, yeah, the primary issue has been if, if I have a question or if I'm wondering something, um, you know, my personality as a coach, I'm not really aggressive. I'm not a yeller. I definitely would just have times question someone, you know, and I just am wondering maybe why that call happened or can you was your dad that way? I don't recall. I've I've been to seven or eight of his games and don't recall him being flamboyant or outward. No, you know, and I don't, I think, um, he can definitely get heated and, you know, at times, um, a little bit more, um, you know, broadcasted than necessarily I would, but, um, but no, he, he's not going to be, you know, yelling aggressively. Um, he's loud, <laughs> yeah. but that's just him in general, <laughs> but I'm not that loud, but there are times where I would, I would maybe have asked a question and I've had officials directly say, I'm not talking to you right now and would just skate away. And I, I hadn't even said anything. Like, I'm just wondering, can, can I just talk to you for a minute? Like, nope, I'm not talking to you and skating away. Yeah. You know, and, it, and for me, that's been like a really, it makes me question, is it because I'm a young female? Would you treat, you know, an, an older male that same way? I don't, I don't think so. If it makes you feel so, any better, I, I get that all the time when I'm coaching too. <laughs> I'm not talking you know, to you right now. Oh, okay. I guess yeah, I'm not going to yeah. talk to you at all. But it is yeah. true though. It does make you, it does raise a red flag though, right? Yeah. And I think the other thing I, I will just say is I was a little bit disappointed in, in um, you know, like we are at the state tournament. We had some players who had um, unbelievable career and success. And, you know, you look at like the coverage, you know, um, and I we were on like the second page of the newspaper. And then, you know, you have another local team that goes down in the same scenarios, like front line, you know, head co- and it's for me, it's not about me, but it's about those girls. Yeah. And they did just as much to earn that. And they were also in the state championship game. And they also deserve that same credit. They put in the same amount of time and effort should have the same coverage as maybe a local boys team has. So for me, that was a little bit disappointing. Yeah. Um, it, it's interest. That's an interesting take because we don't think of it that way from a youth hockey perspective. We think of it as a way like the only the lack of our lack of coverage a little bit. It comes on Saturday of state, not Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, because Saturday of state is also the state, uh, the boys mm-hmm. semifinal Saturday, which is an incredible amount of coverage. And then we only have so many distance. So we only have two people at the state. We have four people at the state tournament Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. And then on that Saturday, those other two people have to peel off and go to, you know, 32 other boys games at the same time. Wait. Which that's, that kind of in itself is an example. Yes. You know, I don't think you have a playoff, you don't have playoff girls hockey games during the boys state tournament. No. You know, so had our boys team made it, they would have had to choose whether they support the, their team in the state championship game or whether they support the boys team in the section semi game. Section semi game. And that. That in itself should never occur. You no, know? And, and, and it's a tricky. It's a tricky thing, like because heritage is fourteen minutes away from your house versus a two yeah. and a half hour trip that's on television. So yeah. there's a lot of weird dynamics. I feel as a reporter, I feel them as a reporter. Like, what should I go cover? And mm-hmm. and again, it goes back to what's 
we're trying to cover as as a coverage site. We're trying to cover everything. So I was at a I host a boys tournament during Christmas at five o'clock during a tournament that I'm hosting. I'm like, I gotta go. You guys have to cover this. And they're like, Why are you so? Why do you have to go? And I'm like, Because Rozo's playing Eden Prairie right now, and they're t- two teams that like could be in the state tournament. And I'm not gonna see Rozo the rest of the year. They're six and a half hours away from here. I have to go see them play for the second time. It was important for our website to see Rozo so much so we actually took coverage off of our own event to go see them play. Yeah, and you know, I think anytime you see that, um, the I, I guess I can speak for just, again, ourselves, but I feel like the girls' hockey community is so supportive and appreciative of that because, I, I again, I go back to my girls and I think they were just, anything that they get, they're so appreciative of. Yeah. <laughs> you know, because I think they feel... Um, often feel the weight like if this if I was not on the girls team would I would the same thing happen you know would I have to be doing xyz or would this already have been covered it's already be broadcasted you know you look at like Taylor and Kiana for me and I think like they broke the boys and girls uh, hockey record, record and and CEC boys and girls hockey history I mean that is unbelievable you think of the amount of players who have come out of the boys and girls program and that like is hardly even known I mean it wasn't really out there. I, I, you know, our, our team Twitter account put it out and we talked about it, but it wasn't like it was even discussed. And you think of all the boys who have come through the program, you know, some of the amazing successful players. Oh yeah. And then those two, and, and it's not even known, you know, and that is something like that. That should be, that should be on the news. That should be in the newspaper. That should be broadcasted. Big deal. It's if it really was the boys, deal. would it be, you know, I yeah, mean, it, just, it, it makes you likely. debate a little bit. You know, what are some of the great players? Your sister was one of them, the goaltender, Johanna Ellison. Yeah. Uh, you got to think that these two, Kiana and and Nelson, would be right up there. Yeah, and I think their statistics show that they are. Um, you know, I think you look at players who have played before them. Um, Liz Palkey, who played, was a captain yep. for the Gophers. Michelle Maunu, uh, or Liz was a not a captain, but played for the Gophers. Michelle Manu, who was a captain for the Gophers. You know, we have players like Tamara Price, Montana Vitorek, who's on, played for the USA team. You have all these players who are super successful and none of them have stats like Kiana and Taylor. Isn't that and I don't something? Think, and I don't think anyone can argue the game has only gotten better. Yes, you know? and more difficult so, to score. Yeah, and, you know, and those girls aren't just scoring games you know, scoring goals against teams who aren't great, you know, uh, you know, aren't as successful. I mean, they're getting, go- they're getting points all year, you know, whether that's against the best or, you know, the teams who are struggling a little bit, but um, you know, that just goes back to that for me as a coach, it's just, you want your players to, to feel um, like they're getting all the credit they deserve. And I, I felt like in this situation, they maybe didn't get as much credit as they did deserve. Yeah, well, that's good. I mean, it's good that you're speaking out on that because I, I didn't want to make this some fluffy piece on you. I wanted <laughs> to actually let's get after Breck a little bit. Let's talk about girls hockey in the north and and, mm-hmm. and Proctor and and, and Proctor Hermantown. I wanted to make sure that we covered. It. Did I did I miss anything? Did I did I? I think we talked about your dad plenty. We talked about your husband. We talked about your great career both as a coach and a player. Anything else that we want to wrap before we wrap this show up that you'd like to to sound off on? No, I just, I'll say this all the time, but I, you know, thank you for, um, you know, hearing from me and letting me ramble on, but, um, you know, asking me to be on the show, but also um, just for the support of, of girls hockey, I just got done talking about how I feel like sometimes there's, um, you know, that lack of, of equality or whatever it may be right. that's occurring. And, and I'm, we are thankful, you know, for, for programs who are including the girls and, and I know you do a great job of that. 
Um, and then we're just super thankful for all of our, you know, local community, um, all the support that we have had and, um, you know, it's been a fun ride. So, well, it's not over yet, Courtney. Uh, you're very young still, and I am very excited to see where you can take uh, your hometown or the hometown teams, Cloquet, Esco, and Carlton in the girls' hockey community. I would love to see you build a program that can give Proctor Hermantown a run here because good hockey is what we'd love to cover, you know. And yeah. when I got to run up to sneak up on a Thursday night to watch the the section final in 7AA boys, it's always so fun because there's such great rivalry. And I think you can do it. I think you can build a, a real powerhouse up there uh, in your town because you have all the tools. You really do. And I'm, I'm excited to watch it. Yeah, thank you very much. That's the goal. I'm really excited. And I can't wait to meet you in person because we've just met via press conferences. So when that day comes, we get out of this COVID-19. Uh, <laughs> we'll see you at a rink and it's going to be really, really exciting. So thanks to uh, Courtney Olin from Cloquet Esco Carlton Girls High School Coach. And thank you to our sponsor, Lots of Matza Pizza, for their sponsorship of today's Pizza Pod.